Welcome along to this week's A Story to Tell with me, Richard Beauvoisin. This was taken from my Radio Bath show, and today we had Dot Whedon on, who is a dancer, a baker, and an all-round nice person. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Dot Whedon's A Story to Tell. Spice Girls, who do you think you are? So good morning, it's Rich Boveson here until midday today. Today on A Story to Tell, I've got Dot sat opposite me. Dot, good morning. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Um, bit nervous, maybe. Bit nervous. <laughs> you don't need to be nervous at all. We've chatted for 20 years, so it's <laughs> yeah. fine. So for those that don't know who Dot is, and if you're not in the dancing world, then probably won't know who Dot is. But, uh, but yeah, she's very well known throughout the dancing world, not only for being a great dancer, but also for baking the cakes as well at lots and lots of our events. Um, so today we're going to find out lots about her because when we go dancing, so for those that don't know, I'm a dance teacher normally, as well as being on the radio, of course. And... We have lots of people that help, and Dot's one of those people that help. And we all know Dot, but nobody actually knows Dot. <laughs> so that's what we're going to try and uh, try and find out today. So Dot, to start with, tell us where you're from. Um, well, I'm originally from Scotland, as you know how don't have guessed by the accent. Um, I was um, born and brought up in Fife, um, in a town called Cardenden which is, um, was really brought, um, built up around mining, or as we would have called it in Scotland, the pits. Everybody worked in the pits or knew somebody who worked in the pits. Um, so it was really a mining town, um, not very big. Nearest big town would have been Kirkcaldy or Dunfermline, which claim to fame is um, the ex-Chancellor of the Exchequer, Gordon Brown, was born in Kirkcaldy and his seat was in Dunfermline. Okay. So that's their claim to fame. That's their claim. <laughs> so I, my, my Scottish geography is terrible, I'll be honest with you. I'm from Portsmouth originally, so Scotland's just a long, long way away. So which bit of Scotland are we in? We are north, east, south or west? Um, so if you went to Edinburgh and crossed over the Fourth Road Bridge, you would then be in Fife. Right. And Cardenden is not very far from the Fourth Road Bridge. And, am I right in thinking that Edinburgh is actually further west than Bristol? If we go on a, on a map, I'm sure I've read that somewhere, that mm. it's uh, or Edinburgh or Glasgow, one of the two. It's definitely further west. I think it's probably west. Glasgow that's more west. Yeah. We're sort of more east coast. Okay, fair enough. So you're from Scotland originally, but you've, you've been down here a while, haven't you? I have, yeah. I um, first moved in here in the, maybe the early 90s, I think. Um, came down here um, to live and to work and um, worked in the NHS so um, started to work um, in the community dental services down here and ended up being there for 34 years. Just a small part-time job then. (laughs) Yes. yes. And you've very recently retired haven't you? I have and I love it. I just so love retirement. Anybody who's worried about retiring absolutely shouldn't. It's just fabulous. It's just, I love it so much. What do you love about it? I love the fact that my days are not regimented, so I can get up when I like. I can, um, if I don't want to do anything, I don't have to do anything. Um, I fill my days with all sorts of things. In fact, I think I'm probably busier now than I ever was when I worked. Um, I love to garden. I've got an allotment, um, all sorts of things. And 
it leaves me lots of time to bake for dancing, so it's quite good. <laughs> Which is fortunate because Dot does a lot of baking. In fact, I'm a big cricket fan, okay, and there's a big cricket match going on at the moment, the Ashes, and they often talk about in Test Match Special, which is the radio part of the cricket, about the fact that people often bring cakes in. And today, Dot, you've actually brought some cakes in, which we're going to chat about a bit later. I can see them in the back corner <laughs> there, and you've actually brought cakes in for everybody. I have. I didn't think it was fair to come in and talk about baking cakes and not actually bring some in. So uh, I'd, I thought I'd just bring a little a little bit in for people to taste. That's all just good. to prove that I can bake. Well, <laughs> I know you can bake. I've seen it many, many times. So so what got you into baking then? Um, so I, th- I think probably my baking and cooking career started when I was really young. Um, I was born in 1954, so only nine years post-war. Um, and there was still a very healthy respect for food for not wasting food and for appreciating the food that that was actually made and for you to eat so you weren't allowed to waste anything Um, so my mum, bless her she must have just spent her whole day I think cooking because we would have a cooked breakfast we'd have a cooked lunch which we would call dinner and then we would have a cooked dinner which we would call tea so she was cooking three meals a day, every day, plus cakes and biscuits and all sorts of other things. So I think probably my original, um, if you can call it love of baking, came from just watching her bake and, and learning from her. The trouble with my mum was that she um, she wasn't very patient and she, she wasn't very good at showing you how to do things. Um, she was had this really irritating habit that if you didn't, do something just the way she wanted it she'd take it out of your hand do it herself and then give it back to you which I found very very annoying and I think to this day it has made me very much have patience with people who are learning something new I I have endless patience for people and and I absolutely never take a job back that I've given to somebody to do Um, so she taught me that if she didn't teach me how to bake the person who really taught me to bake was my sister so my sister Catherine was five years older than me and she had a real talent for baking and cooking. And um, on a Sunday, it used to be baking day, because Monday was washing day and washing took all day, my mum used to bake on a Sunday. Right. Um, so she'd bake all the cakes and things like that that supposedly were going to last us all week. Uh, and then as my sister got older, she took over the baking. And when she took over the baking... She was a lot more patient and she taught me things and she'd let me make cakes and so she'd let me make like butterfly cakes and things like that that my poor dad had to eat and pretend that they were the best cakes he'd ever eaten in the world. Were they not the best cakes then? Well, I'm sure they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) They maybe got better as time went on. So it's butterfly cakes, I'm trying to imagine. So I'm not the biggest baker ever. Um, I do a lot of cooking but not baking. So it's butterfly like the fairy cakes that you kind of chop the top off and then make into the bits that go on the top that looks like a butterfly. Yeah, you put buttercream on them and... Right. So, um, yeah. So she, she really was the one that taught me to cook and bake. Um, later on, when I went to school, um, the, when I went to secondary school, uh, they taught you to cook and bake as well. Because, sad as it sounds now, in those days, when you went to secondary school, um, they were just turning out wives and mothers. They weren't really that interested in I girls' suppose, education. So I suppose this is in the late 60s, isn't it? Just was, going back it, from 64. Yeah, yeah, so sort of mid-60s maybe. Um, so when you went to secondary school, they just wanted you to know how to cook and how to make a bed and how to iron a shirt, like I was ever going to iron anybody's shirt in my entire life. 
Um, the real dot is starting to come out. I don't know if you can hear that now. <laughs> it's, it's all good. So, I mean, lots of people have an image of the swinging 60s, late, you know, late swinging 60s and parties and all of that. And, and it sounds like we've still got the kind of early 50s of, of ironing and preparing to be a wife. Yes, yes. I, I mean, the swinging 60s completely passed me by. Drugs and rock and roll. I never knew anything <laughs> of it. Um, so... But certainly where I grew up in Scotland, I'm not saying that, the, that there wasn't really good education for girls, but it tended to be um, you either were on a very academic path or you were on a, a domestic path right. where you would, you would learn to cook and clean, basically. Um, you did this really weird thing when, when you, in the last year of primary school where you did something called the 11 plus. Mm, I've heard of it. And that 11 plus determined what your education would be for the rest of your educational life. So if you were really clever and you got a really good mark, you used to go off to Dunfermline High School. And it was kind of expected there that you would go on and do what we called O-levels, but it would be GCSEs now, and your A-levels, and you would probably go off to university. But if you didn't get a particularly good mark, which I didn't, um, you then went to what was called the secondary school. And... um, from there, within the secondary school, you were broken up into groups. So you would be in an O-level group if you were going to be doing some O-levels, and then it would be um, a group which was not going to do O-levels but was was okay, and then you'd go B and C until you got down. Um, Should I ask where you ended up? I was in the O-level group. Oh, okay. I did my O-levels. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got to that point. I was, I was dreading asking that. I was there listening to it thinking, oh, man, was she in the Z group? And we're going down this route here. I was like, this could be the worst question I've ever asked in my life. <laughs> no, 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 I, d- I did do my whole levels. Um, but really, you you then went on and your education was just based, it was very vocational. So yeah. it was decided whether you would be, um, what you were going to do from there. And um, so girls did domestic science, which was the cooking, cleaning, um making a bed and yeah. changing a plug. Always remember that they taught you how to change a plug okay. and how to uh, mend a fuse. But the fuse wasn't like the fuse in a plug that you'd have now. It was like a ceramic block that was yep. maybe about four inches tall and you had to wire it from one diagonal corner to the other <laughs> diagonal corner with a piece of fuse wire and then put it back in the fuse box. And I always remember they taught me to do that. Which, of course, now in, with modern-day <coughs> electrics, you wouldn't actually officially be allowed to do that without a full certificate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite a frightening thing that, you know, they're, they're priming you for ironing and washing and at the same time trying to burn the house down with bad electrics. <laughs> well, well, you have to be able to work the iron, so you have to make sure well, the fuse is working. <laughs> absolutely. If the wash- Washing machine conked out, you know, you've got to get it back on running. Washing you? machine? So, well, washing sorry. Machine. Was it scrubbing on a, <laughs> on a washboard then? <laughs> Not quite. I mean, my mum did have a, an electric washing machine, but it was a, a single tub. Right. And it had an agitator. It was quite a big machine, and it had one, one single agitator and a great big um, ringer. Um, so younger people won't know what a ringer is, but it was two big rollers, and you fed the the washing through it, and it squeezed all the water out. So you you agitated the clothes, and then you put them through this ringer into two deep sinks, right? Filled with water, and then you swung the ringer round, and then you had to take them from one sink to the other to rinse them and put them through, which is why it took all day. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Genuinely, 
the strange thing for me is that we've known each other a long time and I, I've never heard any of these stories and I'm really interested in hearing these stories. But it's, the stories you're saying there almost sound like Victorian Britain. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of the image I've got of like Queen Victoria going through all of this, not her doing those things, of course. Mm. But, but then this is 1960s. Yeah. And it's yep. not that long ago. Yeah. Um, and you're still doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, um, my mum had that single tub washing machine for quite a long time. Then she got a twin tub, and we thought oh. we were the bees and knees because she got a twin tub. Oh, we're in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have, in my early days, there, there weren't any supermarkets. When you went to go shopping, you didn't go to the supermarket and fill your trolley up with, with shopping and bring it home and shove it in the fridge. We didn't have a fridge. Right. We, we didn't really get a fridge. I think probably till the mid-60s before we actually had a fridge okay you just had a pantry with a, a, a marble slab in it and everything had to be kept in tins so that you didn't get mice and you didn't get ants okay um so when you went shopping you'd go shopping and you'd go to the the bakers and the butchers and the green grocers and the grocer's shop um so you, you didn't you, there wasn't a supermarket to just go and pick things up there was no such thing as a ready meal no and most things in the supermarket weren't ready wrapped for you so they had to be weighed and measured and wrapped up when you actually went. We used to have this greengrocer just up the road from us and it was run by um, an old woman. Well, I thought she was old. probably wasn't that old, but she felt old to me um, at the time. You know, if you're about four, you know, everybody seems old, don't they? Absolutely. Um, but um, she had this grocer shop and I used to love going to Aki Glen's. Oh, it was just the best place to go in the world because I think she had a bit of a soft spot for me. Well, I like to think she had a bit of a soft spot for me. I certainly did for her. Um, but she used to let me weigh the tea out and showed me how to wrap it up and she'd let me weigh out the butter and wrap it up. And um, It was just the most exciting place. For a four-year-old going to the shops, it was like it was like playing shops in a real shop. It was just like, oh, my God, it's so exciting. <laughs> it was just the best place to be. I loved it. So you've mentioned about she had a soft spot for you. I'll be honest with you, everybody has a soft spot for you. We're, you know, we've, we've discussed this many times, and, and I don't think you ever quite understand how much of a soft spot everybody has for you. Um, and it's not just because of the baking, it's just because of how you come across and you're a fabulous person to be around. I often talk about the fact that people, you know, some people walk into a room and they kind of like suck the energy out of it, and then other people walk into a room and it lights up, and you're definitely one of the lighting up people oh, in the world, which is nice. So have you always baked then? Um. Yeah, probably since I was about seven or eight, I've, I've baked. There, there was a period of time when I didn't bake because nobody baked. It just was a bit not the done thing to do. I mean, once supermarkets did come and you could get ready meals and microwaves came along and um, it, it was it was just a different environment, really. And, you know, I'd got married, you have kids, you don't really have time to bake. So I would have baked the old birthday cake and stuff like that. But yeah. But on the whole, no, I didn't really bake very much for a long, long time. Then didn't really get back into baking until I joined Ciroc. Right. And um, I made one or two cakes for Ciroc and brought them along, and people just loved them. Mm. So uh, from then on, it sort of built and built and built, and I got more interested in baking again. And um, and now I bake lots for Ciroc and do the tea dance and um absolutely yeah yeah well we're going to talk much more about baking in depth fairly shortly but 
I've asked you this question lots, and you've always said no. And I'm going to try and on live radio and see if uh, and see if you'll give me a different answer. So, if somebody was to accidentally apply to Bake Off for you on your behalf, I'm not saying that's happened, and it hasn't happened to my knowledge yet. Okay, but you know, you're a fantastic character. You're a great baker. Would you appear on Bake Off? No. That's a really quick answer. <laughs> no. no. I, when Bake Off started. And if you've ever watched and uh, gone back and watched some of the early series of it, I think it really was about finding the best amateur baker. Yeah. And I, I hasten to add amateur yeah. baker. And they made the sorts of things that I would watch the programme and I would think, Do you know what, I'm going to have a go at that. I, I think I could make that. But as it's gone on, I think some of the bakes have got a bit sillier and they're, they're asking them to make things that, Never in a million years would anybody make it home like they asked them to make stroop waffles. Mm. Who on earth would bother to make stroop waffles? You know, it's just... It's, so to me, it's it's got past being an amateur baker and they're not looking for an amateur baker anymore. They're just looking for somebody who doesn't get paid professionally but bakes to, the, you know, a, a professional standard, I think. Yeah. So, And I think they set them up to fail. Cause, okay. Because they asked them to make cakes in a ridiculously short time. <laughs> Yeah, and to decorate them and to, you know, and then asking them to make chocolate in like 30 degree heat and stuff like that. So I just think that, you know, they want it to fail so that it looks Well, it's TV, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's otherwise if everybody did it perfectly, then it wouldn't be that interesting, would it? Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to have a quick break for the adverts. Uh, When we come back, we are going to talk more about baking and some of the cakes you've brought in today. So uh, we'll be right back after this. I used to love Simple Minds. Promised you a miracle. Really like that track as well, actually. So uh, we're back with Dot. Morning, Dot. How are we doing now? I'm doing good, thank you. Are you less nervous now? Yeah, much less. Yeah. (laughs) Real Dot's coming out. Now, on linked number two here, we are going to reveal something to the general public that I think is going to be shocking to everybody. Okay, so, Dot, what is your favourite cake? I don't like cake. And here's the other news. I don't really like cake either. <laughs> you don't like cake? No. No? No. Fair enough. I find it just too sweet and um, a bit sickly, so I really don't eat. I, I like scones. Okay. Um, and you know, we'd eat scones. Um, I like biscuits and things like that, but I'm really not particularly chocolate cake. I dislike chocolate cake intensely, which is ironic because one of the favourite cakes that I make is a chocolate and Guinness cake. The chocolate Guinness cake is famed, which, isn't it? <laughs> which people just absolutely love, and I never eat it because no. I just don't like it. Well, I suppose that makes it easier when you're baking then, doesn't it? Because you're not actually worrying about eating the cake and thinking, oh, I'm making all this stuff and I can't wait to eat it. No, no. No. It, the truth is, it, particularly when I'm baking for a tea dance, because that's like three days of cooking for a tea dance, um, you smell the cake cooking all day long because you're just in the house with cake smell all day. And the last thing you want to do is eat it after you've smelt it cooking all day. So for those that aren't aware, so we, what we run in, in Ciroc is on a Sunday afternoon, we call it Chippenham Chilled Sunday. It takes place in Chippenham every, uh, once a month on a Sunday. And Dot makes an enormous amount of cakes and savouries as well. We'll talk about savouries a bit later. Um, so tell us about the kind of process, because it isn't just that you turn up and they're magically done, is it? No, no, not by a long chalk. Um, so the process for doing the um, Chilled Sunday tea dance is you you start off by 
trying to work out roughly how many people are going to be there. So you sell tickets, so we always yeah. know what the numbers are going to be. So it's um, around about 100 people that come, 100 to 110. Yeah. So for 100 to 110 people, it'll be 500 to 510 pieces of cakes, savouries, scones, biscuits, whatever. So I would have to have 500 pieces. Right. So from that, you then decide what you're going to make. So on a Wednesday, I sit down and I think, right, what will I make? What was popular last time? What didn't get eaten last time? What? So from that, you then decide um, the number of cakes and what cakes you're going to make. You then have to do a shopping list <laughs> to make sure that you've got all the stuff that you need. To I'm trying able. to imagine as well, going back to Scotland in the 1960s, <laughs> yes. how long this process would have taken <laughs> going around to all your different, all your different shops. That would have been in Aggies a long time. <laughs> Weighing all the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so then you have to go and do all the shopping for it. Um, then it's just a matter of I get up really early on a Friday morning. I'm up at seven o'clock on a Friday morning and I bake until seven o'clock at night. Right. And I do that Friday and Saturday. And then on the Sunday at the tea dance, I will bake the savoury pastries and the scones and whatever else we bake on that day, pizzas, whatever else we're making. They're actually done on site and baked fresh and put out. Just like that. And there's like 500 pieces. Yeah. So when people are coming along going, oh... It's just just turned up. <laughs> yeah. Not quite just turned what, up. What, haven't you got carrot cake today? <laughs> no. <laughs> kindly move on. <laughs> now, you brought some cakes in for us in true test match special. So so what have you brought in? So these will be left at the station for anybody that's the uh, presenters or anybody else that's in there. You're going to get to have these. So, so what have we brought in today then, Doc? So I brought in two that are um, big favourites um, whenever I do any kind of baking. So lemon drizzle. Okay. And caramel shortbread, which is Richard's favourite. It is. It's one of the yeah. only things that Dot makes that I love to eat. Um, and they're obviously very good for you, low in calories, and uh, yeah, perfect. Well, once you've cut it, all the calories eat out, so it's fine. Is that right? Okay, so that's how it works. <laughs> good. <laughs> I've also brought along a gluten-free one, because I think Steph, who's yeah. next, is gluten-free, so... So that she doesn't get left out, I've brought along a gluten-free one. That is how lovely Dot is. She's brought three cakes in one, especially gluten-free, just for Steph, who's following today, which, uh, which is amazing. Oh, thank you very much. And we're going to eat... We're gonna, I'm going to try some of these. I'm going to try the caramel shortbread. I, I, I'm not a big fan of lemon drizzle, if I'm honest with you. I don't like lemons or drizzle or cake. Mm. So after that, I'll probably pass on that one. But yeah, caramel yeah. shortbread. The, the lemon drizzle is the one cake that never... There's never any left of. Yeah. Never. now during covid um we couldn't do anything dancing wise so uh so we came up with something which uh which was hugely popular and we had literally hundreds of people doing this over the time uh there are still some videos about this uh online somewhere as well and we did we created something called bake along with dots (laughs) and this was done via zoom and literally dot set up her video camera in her kitchen and we baked along with you didn't we we did yeah it was great fun it was it was i think maybe the most fun thing i've done ever to do with baking um the trouble was that i would forget that we were on there to bake and i'd get chatting to you and i would just chat away and then you would have to say to me uh, what do we do next and i thought oh yeah yeah we're baking i forgot about that <laughs> well on the very first one i thought you know what i'll do i'll join in with you 
Okay, and I, I'll try and, and try and do it. And then I, I realised I should be hosting the show really more than anything else because <laughs> I was trying to faff around so much with what I was doing. I forgot actually that there was another 40 or 50 people trying to bake along with you as well. And I, I think mm-hmm. the main difficulty was is that we all worked out very quickly, you're really quick. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're so used to doing stuff that the speed that you were working was incredible, um, which I suppose for like doing a tea dance with 500 pieces is is what you need to do. But yeah. what was kind of your favourite memories from doing Bake Along with Dot then? I think it was lovely to see the pictures afterwards that of people had made the cakes and they, they actually sent in pictures of it. And I thought that was just brilliant. I loved the um, the interaction that we had because people were sending in questions and um, we were answering them on air and it was lovely because you have to remember at that time we weren't seeing each other no. and, and these were all people that I was used to seeing on a very regular basis and then all of a sudden there was just no contact with them you, you know a lot of them you don't really know their telephone numbers or anything like that so you're not really in contact with them at all so to hear the questions coming in and to have an opportunity to respond to them felt like you were actually there with them yeah. and it was just lovely I loved it it was really great fun it, really you know, it was an amazing thing and even though we're not in Covid times anymore I might try and recreate a, a bake along with Dot at some point so if yeah. we were to create a bake along with Dot what cake would you want us all to make then? <gasps> Oh, I don't know, because we did quite a few, didn't we? We did chocolate and Guinness, and we did caramel shortbread, and we did lemon drizzle. So we did all the most popular ones. Did we ever do millionaire shortbread? We did. Did we? we Could did. we do it again? Because I'd like to make it again. <laughs> I'm being distracted, if I'm honest with you, because through the dots on the other side of the destiny here, and I can just see glimpses of the caramel shortbread, and I... I, you know, it's nearly 11 o'clock, it's nearly 11 and I'm, I'm tempted to eat some, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> to go along with my coffee, but uh, we'll sort it out. So you do a huge amount of baking. Is there anything you've kind of made and thought, didn't quite go to plan? Oh, hundreds of things. Right. Hundreds of things. I, I love to try new recipes, and um, I usually have to try them two or three times before I get them to just the way that I would like them to be. Um, and also, I'm usually trying to make... A recipe so that it's um, it will cut and be presentable for mm. people to eat. So sometimes when you watch some of the recipes, because I watch loads and loads of recipe um, cookery programs, okay. just you know that's my go-to if I'm ever looking for something to watch. It's a cookery program, um, and they'll, I'll see them make something, and I think, well, that's really nice, and I'd like to try and do that, but it wouldn't really transfer to a tea dance or a. a, a um, freestyle very easily so then I have to adapt it to make it so that I can turn it into something that um, can be cut easily and can can transport easily so I do I try recipes several times sometimes before I get it right in fact the crew at Bath they are my uh, my tasters so I bring things in and um, I make them eat them and then they have to tell me whether they think it's any good now or not. Now, when you say you, you make them eat them, I don't think it takes any persuasion, if I'm honest with you. You present a cake and they go, ooh. And they all eat it. it was, um, I think it was the coconut one that was the uh, the one you've tried the most, hasn't yes. it? Because it was like getting yes. the right amount of coconut in a cake. And I, I suppose the difficult part is that everybody has different taste buds. So what one person may think, oh, that's overpowering. Somebody else thinks, I need more of. So that must be quite difficult to get the balance right. Uh, well, the, the, the reason that it was so difficult to get the coconut cake right is that Richard Chandler's <laughs> mum used okay. to make him a chocolate right. coconut cake. So Richard Chandler is one of our dancers and yeah. crew members. Yeah. 
So Richard Chandler's mum used to make him a, a coconut cake and he said, please, will you try and make the coconut cake Aww. that my mum made? So I said, well, I'll try. So the reason why we tried so many times was to try and get it like Richard's mum's coconut cake. So he was your chief tester then? <laughs> he was, <laughs> And how is it? Is it is it now right? He says it's better than his mum's. <gasps> I can't believe I made two all sounds. <laughs> I'm just excited by all of it. So, um, so if somebody wanted to start baking, let's say they've never baked before, what would be an easy recipe that you kind of go, this would be a good one? Um, well, I think we're probably back to lemon drizzle cake again because I think that is probably the easiest cake that I actually make. Um, so I think you just have to find yourself a recipe and just keep practising. It's, it's just about practice. Th- there are key things when you're making a, any kind of creamed cake and preparation is everything. Okay. So when you are going to make a cake of any kind, it doesn't matter what you're going to make, read the recipe really carefully. Make sure that you've got all the things you need before you start because you can't stop halfway through and go off to the shop and get what you're missing. So make sure you've got everything. Um, look quite carefully at the size of the tin that they're suggesting that you're actually going to make this cake in because what quite a lot of people do is they get a recipe that's for, say, a six-inch Victoria sponge but then they put it in an eight-inch tin. Yeah. So you've got more surface area, the cake's not going to rise as much and if you put it in for the same amount of time, it's just going to be drying hard when it comes out. So you need to make sure that you're using the right size of tin so you've got the right amount of batter for the right size of tin. When you're creaming it, because most um, sponge-based cakes start with a creaming method, you have to cream it properly, make sure that it's it's gone from being the yellow of the butter to a really pale yellow colour and really light and fluffy, and then your cake will turn out. So when you say creaming it, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what that means. OK, so you put the butter and the sugar into a bowl and you mix it until they're combined into a light, fluffy mixture, which is called creaming. There are other ways. There, there are some ways where you just put everything in a bowl and mix it I've never had much success with that no and there's something called the reverse creaming method where you mix all the dry ingredients then you add the wet but I've not had much success with that either okay I've tried them I've tested them but the team at Bath say no (laughs) (laughs) so your chief testers have said no go back to Dot's way of doing it well that's that is fair enough now in in the next link we're going to be asking we've had quite a lot of questions in from the public Okay, I've, oh, I've pinched no. this from, from uh, Chris and Rosie Ramsey's uh, podcast, so questions from the public. We've had quite a few questions in. Uh, if you do want to put any questions in, then it's email at studio at radiobath.com. Or I've put a few posts onto Facebook as well. Please, f- please put your posts on there. Um, you can message them in as well. So any questions for Dot? It can be about dancing. It can be about baking. It can be about anything that you want it to be about. Okay, so we're going to find out what questions from the public from Dot. How do you feel about that, Dot? I hope they're going to be kind. <laughs> they're going to be kind. Some of them are really simple. One of them's from my daughter, who's seven. Oh! So, so yeah, she's got, she's got a question for you. But if anybody does have any questions, studioradiopass.com, or if you know me, then obviously just message me direct as well. But, uh, yeah, so that's questions from the public coming up after this. Never Baby, really dead thing on the floor Come tell me what you want I can understand If your body lands It's a long way to come from your private bedroom dance routines. A 
There's Just Jack and Stars in Their Rise with Richard Bovis on here on Radio Bath here until midday today. Had a few messages in, which is really, really lovely to hear. So Robbie, who's one of the other presenters you'll hear later on today, she's asking, first of all, if there's going to be cake left, Dot. (laughs) Is is there going to be cake left? I don't know. It depends how fast everybody eats. That's true. There's a training session going on here, so we don't know how, but we'll try and make sure there's some cake left. But she also puts, it reminds her of some memories of her washing day with her mum in the twin tub as well, which is really, really nice. So, uh, So, yeah. Right, we've got some questions from the public that have come in then, okay? So I'm going to ask the easiest one first, I think, which is from my seven-year-old, young Beatrice. Okay, so she asks, what's your favourite colour? Blue. Blue. And you're in a lovely blue top today as well. I am. am. It's it's equally my favourite colour as well. (laughs) It is. So there you go. Right, here's one from Tony then. I think you've seen this one already. So what cake best describes Mm. you? What cake best describes you? I think it would probably be a rhubarb crumble cake. Okay. Because it's sweet and it's delicious, but it can be just a little bit sharp. Do, do you know what? I, I was speaking the other day to yourself and about the fact that, you know, back in your days of being an NHS manager, you had to make some tough decisions. Mm. And we only ever see, and I'm going to say this in the nicest way, fluffy dots. <laughs> we only see nice dots that's there baking cakes and dancing and helping the beginners and all of that. We don't see sharp dots. <laughs> Well, I can be a rottweiler if I have to be. Can you now? <laughs> yes, yeah. I can. I have to say, I wouldn't want to get on the on the wrong side of you. But there we go. Um, I like Fluffy Dot. Fluffy Dot can stay. Right, a question from Helen. So she says, how do you make fluffy scones as mine are always like rock cakes? What am I doing wrong? Okay, scones. So I have tried, oh, I don't know how many scone recipes. And um, I have just recently settled on one that uses lemonade. Okay. And it's just the most amazing scone recipe. And I don't think anybody can get their scones wrong using it. So you use um, a cup, so a cup measure. Like um, if you do a lot of baking, you will have like teaspoon measures and cup measures and things like that. So you use a cup of flour, a cup of self-raising flour, a cup of cream, double cream. uh, Sorry, three cups of self-raising flour, a cup of cream and a cup of lemonade. And I add a little bit of extra sugar to mine and you can add fruit or whatever else you want to. And you just mix it up. It's a bit of a wet mix. But the key thing to the wet mix is get it out onto the workshop and treat it a bit like you were making puff pastry. So you squeeze it out and then roll it up and squeeze it out and roll it up a few times. And then you roll it out and cut them out. And I've never had a failed one yet. So lemonade. Lemonade. Now, when you say cup, because cup's an American measure, I believe. It is, Um, yeah. Does it matter? Are you like using the same cup? Am I actually being very literal and saying it's a cup, or is that the measurement of a cup? Well, as long as you use the same measure, right? It doesn't really matter whether you're using a teacup. I don't think you'd want to use a mug because that would be an awful lot of scones. Okay, but you could use a teacup, and as long as you're using a three teacups of flour, one teacup of cream, and one teacup of lemonade, then it'll work. But I have a like a proper. Americanized cup measure. Okay. Now this is a question from a member of the public whose name is Richard. Okay. So he's uh, he's a dance teacher and a, a presenter on Radio Bath as well. And uh, the question from him is because I've tried this many times, and I'll be honest, it always comes out flat. So how do you make the perfect Victoria sponge? 
So Victoria sponge is very much like the lemon drizzle that I was talking about earlier. So are you trying to say that one of the easiest cakes that there is to make, I'm failing at? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Okay. So it's about making sure that your tin is the right size for the amount of batter that you've got. So read your recipe and make sure. Okay. Cream your butter and your sugar really carefully. Siri here. Oh. Oh. Sorry, that's me. (laughs) Um, Cream your butter and sugar really carefully and... When you add your eggs, so what I do is I add my eggs and my flour together. I don't, I don't do the old method where you would add the eggs and then beat the eggs into your batter and then add the flour last. I just put the eggs and the flour in together, and then I've got um, kind of a high-end um, electric mixer. I'll do you now, <laughs> rather than a hand whisk. Yes. <laughs> so it's got a paddle, and if you use a paddle slowly. You can mix the cake quite lightly. Right. And it, it comes out. And then it comes, comes out, out fine. It comes out fine. Okay. We'll, uh, do, we'll do a one-to-one. We, maybe we, we could do that millionaire shortbread <laughs> and the Victoria sponge as our next bake along with Dot. So, so that would be quite I'll nice. I'll come to your kitchen and bake it with you. <laughs> you can do so. Here's another question for you. So what makes you laugh the most? Oh, um, hmm. Funny things. <laughs> you meant to say me on stage, I did. That was, I, was, I was lining up, but it's it's so far from your brain. It's, it, I'm just disappointed. But I don't know. I do laugh an awful lot at dancing. I have to say, it's, we just have great fun. I, I'm not much of a singer, but I do like to sing along when I'm dancing. I subject everybody that I dance to to my okay. singing, and I love it when people sing along back with me. And you know, you really emphasise little bits of the music and stuff like that. I just love it, and that makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> I laugh a lot at dancing. You do laugh a lot at dancing. It's um, <laughs> we're in the classes, and we can hear Dot's laughter right throughout. But I'd say you bring light to the room, which is uh, which is absolutely amazing. So I'm not really into like comedy shows or comedians or anything like that. It's I don't really find most of that very funny. But, okay. But things that happen, just ad hoc things that just happen and you're not expecting them, that's more likely to make me laugh. Fair enough. Uh, outside of dancing or baking, what do you do for fun? Oh. Um, well, I've got an allotment. Okay. I've got two grandchildren. There's two dogs in the family, so I do a lot of walking, have a lot of fun with the kids, and I do a lot of gardening. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, what is your favourite way to spend a day off? Oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't really have days you off. You don't have to, You're retired, <laughs> days off. <laughs> you're, Every day is a day off. Do you know, I was, talking to my, I was talking to my dad, who's not that long retired <clears> as well, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, Saturday and Sunday is what he normally did, and he did this on a Saturday and Sunday, and said, does it really make any difference? Because every day is a Saturday or a Sunday for you, because... You're not having to work Monday to Friday. Not that I ever work Monday to Friday. I work Monday to Sunday. Um, but yeah, so is it kind of the same in that theory? When you're retired, it doesn't really matter what the day is. My weekends are still more or less weekends. A, because there's usually a freestyle on that I'm baking for. So I know that, that the, the weekend is coming. But also because my family still work. Right. So Okay. So if you're doing things with the family, it's at the weekend. But it's not it's just not I, I'm like you I, I worked in the NHS so I worked seven days a week so not every week but no. you know you you worked Monday to Sunday it wasn't it wasn't um, you didn't really have weekends so it's not that different for me 
Okay. And the last question from the public then of, if you could choose anywhere in the world to live, where would you choose to live and why? Exactly where I live now. Ah, what a lovely answer that is. Why is that then, Dot? I love it here. I love it here. So you you live in Chippenham, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah. Because we've got everything, haven't we? It's you, you know you don't have to go very far to be in the countryside. Uh, it's I just love it. I just love it here, and I would never want to leave my Sorok family. So uh, no, I so wouldn't want to live. You wouldn't here. want to live back up in Scotland full time or anything, then. No, I toyed with the idea recently because I went back home. Um, interestingly, still call it home. There you go. <laughs> um, I went back home to visit family um, recently, and when I was up there, it was so nice to hear. In my mother tongue and to speak to people in my own accent and and I thought to myself do you know what I could come back here to live yeah. I quite like it it could be me and my sister and um, I don't see an awful lot of my sister now and so um, I thought I could do that I could come back but then once I was back and dancing again I thought nah no, <laughs> no. and it was it was very strange uh, this happens quite a lot to people certainly when you have a strong accent um, a Scottish or a Welsh accent or wherever it may be and you have that scenario that you go home and then you come back to where you normally live and your accent is that much stronger <laughs> yes. and when you came back from Scotland fairly recently I- I'll be honest I struggle to understand you sometimes <laughs> Your accent's beautiful normally. Like today, I'm loving listening to your accent. Uh, but it was like, huh? What was that? <laughs> it, was, it was very strange. Well, when we, we're going to have another very quick break for music. When we come back, we're going to start talking about you and dancing. We've mentioned Sorok and dancing a number of times. So we're going to mention about dancing when we come back after this. We've got more questions coming. Right. So are you ready for these? Two more questions, then we're going to talk about dancing. All right. So Sorrel says, ask, this is a tough question. Oh, no. Oh, this is proper tough. So oh, Sorrel, Sorrel says, I know it's Sorrel. So she says, if she had to give up dancing or baking, which one would she choose? Oh, baking. <laughs> baking. I never give up dancing. Uh, the only time I'll give up dancing is when I am not able to do it anymore. Okay. Richard tells me that's when I'm 104. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and even then, you're still dancing. So, so yeah. Um, gorgeous Jeff has messaged in as well. And he says, Morning, Richard and Dot. I make the odd cake. Some do turn out odd, apparently. <laughs> and he says, It's a bit soon, but any personal tips for a top-quality Christmas cake? Ah, so... Make it plenty in advance and feed it a lot. And then it won't matter how bad it is. It'll be so alcoholic, nobody will know. <laughs> so when you say feed a lot, what do you feed your Christmas cake with? Then? Um, sometimes with brandy, sometimes with sherry, um, sometimes with wine. Just um, mostly um, I feed mine with brandy. OK, so we're in the seventh month of the year now, scaringly Christmas, five months away. Mm. Um, so when would you start making Christmas cakes and how many do you make? Well, I used to make 11. 11 Christmas cakes? Yes. Okay. And how big are these, just for context, how big are these Christmas cakes? A normal size you'd buy, like a... As in six to eight inch? Maybe 10 inches. 10 in, 10, so 10 11 inch, 10, inch 10 inch Christmas cakes? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> when would you start making those then? I would, I would start mid-October to make them. Right. So 
because obviously you're not going to make 10 all at once. So no. you have to spread it out a bit. But once they're made, you then um, I wrap them up in um, uh, greaseproof paper and then um, cling film and then a tea towel and then I put them into a dark place and then every week I take them out and feed them with brandy. Okay. So you make the actual cake and then on a weekly basis, this feels very much like my orchids, how I look after them. <laughs> take them out on a weekly basis and, and feed dunk them. them. <laughs> dunk them. Yeah. Let's feed them. Was, um, okay. So 11 Christmas cakes and you start them in October. So Jeff, yeah. it's July. Start prepping now. Start buying your stuff, your things. Start buying everything. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about dancing now. So I know Dot from Dancing. For those that aren't aware, I'm a dance teacher. Dot is one of my crew members. She's been on the crew for a long, long time. And she's known as a taxi dancer. So Dot, tell us, what is a taxi dancer, first of all? So a taxi dancer is somebody who um, volunteers their time to help beginners so when the beginners come in, it's quite it's really scary coming into a new environment, particularly if you're coming on your own, which I did. I started on my own. Um, so it's really nice to have somebody that you can get to know really quickly and link with. And that person's there all evening. So you can go and ask them to dance or you can just go and talk to them or they'll introduce you to new people. Um, and they also help you to just practice the moves that you've just been taught because again when you're learning something new you just need lots of practice don't you so um so that's really the role of a taxi dancer which i absolutely love i love meeting people who are in for the first time and just metaphorically holding their hand Mm. until until they make their own friends and and go off and fly. And go off into their own little world. <laughs> so, so how did you start dancing? When did you start dancing, Dot? Because most people have no idea. They, everybody knows Dot in the dancing world. She's famed across the country. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, I, that's quite scary. And, and I've actually had uh, HQ saying, could Dot do stuff for some of our big weekend events? And I'm like, no. <laughs> She can't. She's mine. So, so lots of people know all about it. But when did you start dancing then, Dot? So I started dancing in 2008. So what's that? 15, 15 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a bit by accident that I got into it because um, I had just separated from um, a long-term partner. And um, my, my friend and I, Sue and I, decided that we'd go off on a cruise. And when we were on that cruise... There was uh, there were some people that were there that were a bit like our taxi dancers. Mm. They were there to help people to settle in and, and to dance with single women, of which I was newly a single woman. I went on the cruise and I was 12 hours single. <laughs> <laughs> you work fast. I did. And I got chatting to this chap who had asked me to dance um, a few times. And um, he said to me, you should go dancing because you would be quite good at it, I think. And I said, oh, you can't go dancing when you've not got a partner because I was thinking like ballroom dancing type thing. And he said, you should try Ciroc. So um, what Ciroc? So he explained what it was, showed me a few moves and I thought, hmm, I actually think I might quite like that. So when I came back, I looked it up and at that time um, you had a a session that was on... um, I can't remember what night of the week it was now, but it used to be in Chippenham in the sports centre. Oh, the Olympiad. At the Olympiad. Yeah, downstairs in the, the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in the basement. And um, the, the first night that I came along, you have to come all the way through the sports centre, then come down the back stairs mm. to get to the door. And I stood outside the door for about 10 minutes and I thought, I'm really 
not sure that I can do this. Because I was on my own. It been the first time I'd been on my own for a long time because I'd been part of a couple. And I, st- I stood there for ages and I thought, I, d- I can't do this, I can't do this. And then somebody came along and opened the door and he said, are you coming in? And I said, yes, I am. And th- that was it. That was it. From the minute I was through the door, I absolutely loved it. So who was your teacher on your first night then? Zoe, your Zoe wife. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, Zoe and Jan that, yeah. that were on the stage. Um, and it was just brilliant and I loved it. But the taxi dancers just got it, swooped me up and um, you were there. I danced for you that first night, although I had no idea who you were. <clears throat> did um, not know who I am. I did not know who you were. Um, but you said to me on that first night, I can't believe this is your first night. You're really good. And that was it. I, my, my fate was sealed after go. that. Although I have to say that the first night I was violently sick because all the spinning made me really dizzy and sick. And But I loved it so much that for the next 10 or 12 weeks, I just took a travel sickness tablet before I came. <laughs> I do that when I go on roller coaster rides, <clears throat> yeah. take travel sickness pills. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had to do that for about 10 weeks until eventually I got used to um, spinning without feeling sick. I was chatting to a lady last night who was uh, a Lindy Hop dancer normally, which is another style of dancing. Mm. And I said, how do you find this in comparison to that? And she did say, you know, there's quite a lot of turning and quite a lot of spinning. Um, but I say it's something you get used to fairly yeah. Yeah. fairly quickly so so what do you love about dancing then I, ju- I just love everything I love the music I love the easiness of it all I love chatting to people I love meeting new people that I've never met before I love learning something new because if, even although I've been dancing for 15 years there are still new things to learn all the time There's, you know, and I, so I just love that I love the challenge of it I, I just I love having a laugh, I love to wiggle, I love to sing along with the music. So all of these things are just all wrapped up in that one evening. It's just fabulous fun, it just is. And it it lifts your mood so much. Even if you go in in a bad mood, by the time you come out, you're not in a bad mood. You can't be in a bad mood. No. When I was really young, my dad used to do this thing, um, because I'm not a morning person. Definitely not a morning person. When I, so Doc came in with me today and she went, I'm not normally awake when it says eight something. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's retired life. I've already done two hours of work by this point. So all my life, I've not really been a morning person. And my dad used to do this thing in the morning where um, I'd get up and I'd be in a really bad mood. And um, my dad used to sing a song, but sing the words wrong. Okay. And then he would, I would say to him, that's not right. That's not the right words. And he'd say, well, you tell me what the right words are, then you sing it. And then I would sing the song. And you can't be in a bad mood when you sing, can you? You just no. can't be in a bad mood. So that was how he used to get me out my temper in the morning. <laughs> Again, I can't imagine you in a bad mood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. There was one point at dancing when I think you were in a bad mood, but um, <laughs> you managed it very well. Um, but no, you are one of those lighting people in the room. I've mentioned it many, many times. And, you know, when I'm teaching up on stage and all of a sudden I just hear this massive round of applause and it's always driven by yourself. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it just kind of help people enjoy themselves because it really is quite intimidating for those that aren't aware you know certainly at Bradford and Avon on a Monday night we have 80 90 people coming along each week and it's quite an intimidating thing to come mm. into so having somebody like yourself you mentioned holding people's hands as a taxi dancer that that is an amazing thing to do it's like that process of just come over here I'll show you what to do because it's quite a nerve-wracking thing to go yeah, go in and is. do it is um 
And I love to encourage people. So if they do it right, I just love, I, I get overexcited. <laughs> she's here, she has to clap. Come on, Doc, give us a clap because you just know you want to clap anyway. <laughs> Well, I can't help it. It's just I get so excited for them, especially if it's been a really difficult routine. Hmm. And then they get it. I, I can't help but but just be really pleased for them that they've actually got it. So I get really excited. And what would you like personally to work on in your own dancing then moving forwards? Hmm. In my, uh, so I love to watch Zoe dancing. Hmm. Zoe's Richard's wife. Um, and I love the way that she can um play with the music and um she just i don't know she just can read the music and just move her body in such a way i aspire to be like that i aspire to be like her as well (laughs) and doing the follow part absolutely yeah it's it's just it's you know she just does a stop and then she'll just do a little movement with her body and i think oh i just want to be able to do that but it just doesn't look the same when I do it. Oh, I, I've tried myself. <laughs> I, I looked in the mirror once, and that was enough. Um, and uh, oh, mirrors, mirrors are very dangerous things. <laughs> I, I used to go to my um, step aerobics class, and um, in my head, I had this vision that I was like a ballerina stepping up on this box and doing all my moves and just looking just perfectly gorgeous. And then one week we had to do it in the dance studio that was um, all mirrors along one wall and I realised all my bits went in different directions <laughs> and, and I looked anything but elegant and I was just like horrified I thought, oh no what's going on <laughs> yeah I, I often get people to do solo dancing there's uh, some videos I get them to do and my advice to them always is if you're doing it make sure because you're following it on YouTube make sure you're just watching YouTube to start with do not look in a mirror maybe on the <laughs> third time you can look in a mirror because it doesn't look like what they're doing well we're going to have a little break for music and when we come back we're actually going to talk about more music and about what different types of music that you've got so we're here till 12 o'clock today Touch, I'm out of love I'll pick you up when you're getting down and out of all these things I've done I will love you better now there's Lego House and Ed Sheeran. It's Rich Bovesen here until midday today. Now, for the last 25 minutes, we've got a few bits to do yet, including some music choices then, Dot. So we're going to ask you your favourite track to dance to, your favourite track to listen to, and the song that meant the most to you in your life. So the first one we're going to do is, what's your favourite song to dance to and why? Um, so I like, is it, is it hot? Diggity? No diggity. No diggity. No diggity. I knew it was something diggity. It's a variation of it. It's a, it's a remixed version of it. Yeah. Um, I love that one to dance to because it's got lots of musicality in it and you can play around with it and you get to wiggle a lot. And you get to wiggle. So we're going to listen to it right now. <laughs> them open all over town strictly don't play around cover much ground got game by the pound getting paid is a forte each and every day true play away i can't get her out of my mind wow think about the girl all the time east side to the west side pushing back right there's no surprise she's got tricks in the stage taking up the cash that's when it comes to the f- by no means average 
it's on when she's got to have it. Cause baby, you're a perfect 10. I wanna get in. Can I get down so I can win? I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it, bag it up now. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it, bag it up now. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. She has got class and style, street knowledge by the pound. Shorty never act out, very low key on that profile. Cause catching feelings is a no, let me tell you how it goes. Herbs the word, spins the verb. Love is it curse, so freak what you heard. I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it, bag it up now. I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it up. I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it, bag it up now. I like the way you work it, no diggity. I got to bag it up. Ayo, 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 ayo. Ayo, 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 ayo. I believe it's Bo Monger that did that version of No Diggity. Oh, well, it was excellent. Yeah, I love it. I love Little Wiggle. So don't <laughs> shake like that. Honestly, I don't know where to look. It's quite scary. <laughs> right, so that's your favourite song to dance to. Uh, favourite song to listen to then and why? Um, so, favourite songs to listen to, I I kind of go in, they go in and out of fashion, favourite songs that I like. At the moment, I'm listening to a lot of Keith Urban. Okay. Um, I just like it when I'm, di- when I'm baking. That's mostly when I listen to music at home is when I'm baking. Okay. So, it's Keith Urban at the moment. So, Keith Urban, and the track we've got lined up <coughs> is called Somewhere in My Car. So, Dot's favourite mm. track to listen to.
music so that's keith urban loads of tracks that he's done that one's called driving in my car i think i'm gonna have to get the album (laughs) okay the album of keith urban so uh so there's keith urban and that's your favorite song to listen to at the moment it's always that difficult question when somebody Mm -hmm. says what's your favorite track and it's like, well, at this moment in time, it's this. But mm. obviously, it changes as we go through. Definitely. The next one's the hardest question, though, I think. Okay. And that is which track has meant the most to you and why? So, um, this track that I've chosen, it, it actually, I heard it um, two, three months ago on the radio, and it was just like you'd opened a portal into my childhood. And, and that's one of the things that music can quite often do, isn't it? Just transport you back in yeah. time. Um, so again, as I was growing up, we would have um, family parties or family weddings, and there wasn't exactly karaoke, but people would get up and sing a song, or you know, we were all big singers and everybody liked to sing along. Um, and this particular one was a favourite of my brother-in-law, Reg, passed away a few years ago. But as soon as I heard it, it was just I could hear him singing it when I was a child, um, and so. When you asked me, that was the first one that came into my head. So what is this track then, Dot? This is I Left My Heart in San Francisco. (laughs) Who's it by? Let's see if you can do Philip Radio. Uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, it is. So (laughs) I Left My Heart in San Francisco, Tony Bennett. And my (laughs) brother-in-law. Oh, and your brother-in-law, of course. (laughs) The loveliness of Paris Seems somehow sadly gay the glory that was Rome is of another day I've been terribly alone and forgotten in Manhattan I'm going home to my city by the bay I left my heart in San Francisco high on a hill it calls to me to be Cable cars Climb halfway To the stars The morning fog May chill the air 
I don't care My love waits there In San Francisco Above the blue And windy sea When I come home to you San Francisco Your golden sun Dot loves the Beatles, and we've got a chap in here today who's on work experience called Ollie. He's uh, he's listening in, and we said, "Have you ever even heard of the Beatles?" And he's just made both myself and Doc feel quite <laughs> quite old. I'll be honest. And he said, "My mum introduced me to the Beatles," and then we were like, and then he went, "Actually, no, it's my gran." <laughs> so, so we're just feeling slightly mature at this moment, aren't we, Dot? We are indeed. Oh, there we go. Uh, for those unaware, Dot's here. She's a dancer, a baker, and we're on to our final little part, which is our quick fire round. Now, Dot is a regular listener, so. She knows probably what a lot of these questions are. She's, she's heard, heard them all before, but we'll see how she is actually answering the questions. So you know the very first one, Dot. What is your favourite ice cream? So my favourite ice cream is a clotted cream ice ah, cream. The classic mm. clotted cream. Is, does it have to be Cornish? Yes. Yeah, it has to be Cornish. I, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to find out. Are you tidy or messy? I aspire <laughs> to be tidy. <laughs> But I would have to confess to being very messy. I have this really bad habit when I come in the back door of just dropping everything at the back door. And there's an armchair that my coat gets thrown on, my jumper gets thrown on, and there's usually umpteen pieces of clothing, including including my bras, because the first thing I do is get my bra off and throw it on the chair. Now, there's an image I don't think many people (laughs) are going to have. So so you come in from a tea dance, okay, or wherever it may have been that you've been, and the first thing that comes off is the bra and everything is just... It has to be the closest thing to heaven is getting off a bra that's been digging into you all day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't say I know that one. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, Love or hate roller coasters? Hate them. Why? Oh, they make me feel so sick. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Do you hang your toilet roll over the top or behind the back? Oh, over the top. Over the top. Why? Because you don't want to be touching the wall. Yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) the right reason. Uh, Do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or the cupboard? The fridge. The fridge. Why is that then? Because it lasts longer, because you can just motor through a bar of chocolate, can't you? Yeah. If, it's, if it's at room temperature and suddenly you're at the last bit and you think, oh, have I eaten all that? Yeah. Whereas when it's cold from the fridge, it takes longer to melt in your mouth. So. Have you ever eaten chocolate frozen? No. Well, no. apart from like an ice lollies and things yeah, like I that. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to think about making it last even longer. Frozen chocolate. Maybe that's one for another time. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll have a try. Do you make your bed in the morning? Every morning. Every morning. Again, why? 
uh, because I don't like to think that the dust during the day is going to settle on my pillows and then I'm breathing that in all night. So I have a, a top cover that I put over the bed and right over the top of the pillows and it covers the pillows. Ah, oh, do you know what? That's the most sensible answer I've ever had. Seems obvious to me. It does seem obvious as well, yeah. And, and of course, the follow-up question, any cushions on your bed at all? Not on my bed, on my spare bed, just because my spare de- bed doesn't get used a lot and they look pretty. Okay. But I can't be bothered with all that faffing around <laughs> with cushions on the bed at night. You have just gone up in my estimation even more, <laughs> Dot. Uh, what is your favourite breakfast? First. Oh, back to my childhood, dippy eggs. Dippy eggs? Okay. Dippy eggs, and yeah. how long do you cook your dippy eggs for? Eight minutes. Eight minutes? And they're still dippy at that point? Yeah. Is that from cold... Oh, we're going to baking again here. Is that from cold, cold water? water? So cold yeah. water, eight minutes, boil it, and then eight minute timer. Because mm. it's quite difficult, isn't it, if you just drop it into the boiling mm. water to work it out? Of course, it depends point. also on the size of the egg, doesn't it? And whether how it's from the fridge. Water. <laughs> and whether it's from the fridge or not. <laughs> Keeping eggs in the fridge? No, I never keep my eggs in the fridge. No, I don't know. That's another key tip to baking, actually. Is, is it? Yeah. Don't don't take things out of the fridge and start to bake with them straight away. Let them come to room temperature. Oh. So if you're going to be baking, take your butter and stuff out well before you want to start and try to make sure that your eggs and your butter and your flour are all roughly at the same temperature. There we go. Right. We've spoken a lot about singing today. So yeah. here's that question. Uh. Now, last week we had a rapping going on and a full-on singing part of it so what is your go-to karaoke song so i can't imagine i would ever do karaoke okay but if i did it would probably be something quite silly and i i can't remember the name of the song and i can't remember who sings it but it's the one about elvis and the chip shop elvis and the chip shop yeah there's a guy who works down the chip shop swears he's elvis just like you swore to me that you'd be true there's a guy who works down the chip shop swears he's elvis Bet he's a liar and I'm not sure about you. Hey, Ollie, give her a clap. Very good indeed. Look, I've no idea what that song is, but it sounded great coming from you. Actually, your voice is really nice as well. So not only can you bake, you can dance, you can sing as well. Well, do you think I've missed a chance in life and I could have become a professional singer, Richard? Now, my hesitation there... If you could see his face, I would think that that's a crushing no. Uh, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Right, favourite TV programme or film? Oh, so again, this is one of these things where you watch something and it's in your head, isn't it, mm. for a while. So I've just finished watching um, For Her Sins, okay, which was it's a psychological thriller, very good. And at the moment I'm watching World on Fire. Well, hang on a sec. How do you say that again? World on fire. World on fire. World on fire. <laughs> the Scottish accents are coming out beautifully. All right, two questions to go then, Dot. If you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would you be and why? Mm. Um, uh, this is back to the rhubarb cake, oh, isn't it? So, I hang, think- hang on, I'm just trying to go, go here. So back to the rhubarb cake... I'm now trying to think of what animal is going to be with a rhubarb cake. But go on. So I think I would like to be a tiger. Oh, OK. Because they're, they're so beautiful, aren't they? They're so elegant. They're so self-assured. But if you mess with them, they'll take you down. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> wow. OK. <laughs> Well, I haven't had a tiger before, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> At least it wasn't a cat. So, uh, so yeah. 
cat is the favourite animal by a long, long way. Is so, it? Uh, oh. And I know a tiger is a cat, but it's not a, not a normal <laughs> cat. So fantastic answer. And your final question, Dot, and that is my favourite question of all. Where is your happy place? Oh, Ciroc. It's got to be Ciroc. That's definitely my happy place. Oh, that is an amazing answer. Dot, you've been absolutely fantastic today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, I have. It's, it's nerve-wracking because you don't know what people are going to ask you, but it's been great fun. People were very kind. They were very I think kind. the which would you give up, dancing or baking, was quite a tough <laughs> question. But uh, yeah, And anyone that's visiting the radio station today, there are some live cakes here. I'm not sure how long they're going to last, but uh, yeah, Steph's going to come up next and she's got her own gluten-free cake as well. She has. Which is lovely. Dot, thank you so much for coming in today. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. Thank you for asking me. That's okay. And we'll see you again soon. Okay. Bye.